0: Hello, the Thoroughly Good podcast explores the subject of classical music in a series of unplanned and serendipitous conversations. These are conversations often held in relaxed surroundings where the agenda is only to enthuse about the subject we love. There's also an acceptance that because it's authentic, the conversation could take any turn whatsoever, because that's kind of how life is. The thinking behind all of this is sometimes... The most lasting, most important things come about through chance introductions. In this episode, you'll hear blogger Fran Wilson, composer Thomas Hewitt-Jones and I talking about blogging, Benjamin Britten, composing and Donald Trump.
1: Cheers,
2: everybody. Oh, yeah. Lovely, Lovely to meet you. And, Lovely to meet you. Okay. Okay. Shall we have the cheers.
0: sound of the glasses chinking? Aww. We have. <laughs> um, Gorgeous. Tell me, Fran, how you know Thomas
2: Well, this is the first time Thomas and I have met in real life, shall we say. But in fact, Thomas was one of the first people I interviewed for my Meet the Artist series, which is now five and a half years old. And it was at the time when you'd written the um, piece for the London Olympics. And I think it was the pianist Christine Stevenson who put me in touch with you.
0: I'm immediately embarrassed because I didn't even realize he you'd written stuff for the Olympics
2: I it's correct. it was it's correct. the Olympics yeah. was it? Yeah. I think it was yes
1: I, I <laughs> do wrote you wrote some, not remember? Um, well <laughs> <laughs> I wrote some after university I went to Hollywood actually to work with a Worked with a composing teacher of mine from university who went out to america and wrote film scores and i stayed there for a while and assisted him with some orchestration and bits and pieces i came back here and was very lucky to get this job with the olympics writing orchestral scores it was wonderful because it was they had a budget for an orchestra and so it was an experience to be able to actually orchestrate proper orchestral music with a budget and have a chance to try stuff out essentially as a composer you, know, you want to try stuff out and this was a wonderful wonderful opportunity to really um, experiment with new new textures and sounds which I could then bring to my own music later. But anyway I was it was so lovely to meet Fran through that because I've read a lot of Fran's online journalism and it's Fran's really making a mark in the in the arts world actually through a lot of interviews with prominent artists um, but also you know comments, news and comment and you know essentially Fran's a journalist in the same way that you know Jessica Duchenne or, or you know, or uh, other musical journalists who are of repute, really making a mark, and I think it's really important that we all um, try and for, uh, try and promote the arts world as much as possible. And education, arts education, should be available to everyone. And all of these online avenues are just a wonderful um, way to extend that.
0: It sounds as so, though actually you you're really supportive of bloggers then.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm. Um,
0: I'm surpri- I'm not surprised that you're supportive because obviously you are lovely. Let's let's be clear. Uh, but, but my assumption has always been that most musicians and performers are suspicious of bloggers. Have I got that wrong? I think it's not.
2: Me, my experience at all. No. Not at all. No. Not with anybody I've approached for the interviews, and and certainly not in response to my reviews and my other writing. I've. I've Forged some fantastic relationships with musicians and i feel that there's a kind of common purpose going on which is the music which is why i do it because i love the music um and so i've i've never encountered uh, i've encountered um rivalry or you know unpleasantness perhaps from other bloggers and other journalists you're looking at me no i'm not looking at
0: you. <laughs> i bought the wine um, fran <laughs>
2: You know, there's a slight there, there is a tension out there, and there, there is a slight us and them which I've encountered amongst mainstream music journalists. But the bloggers and musicians, I feel we, I like to think we've got a common purpose, and that's definitely my experience.
0: How do you think that bloggers are helping
1: people like you, Thomas? Well, I think Fran's absolutely right that, you know, any musician worth, worth their salt. Um, Really engages with reviewers and blogs, and, and doesn't take you know take offence by anything that's negative. Because actually, um, the role of a blogger and a, and a reviewer and an artistic um, promoter the art, arts promoter in this kind of day and age is actually to engage with the artists with the long-term goals of actually promoting um, both sides. I mean, of course, online, you know, you have uh, two parties and they, you know, it's good for both because you're creating traffic for the blog and then you, someone might see something else that Fran's written and they might get engaged with that. Um, but also, I think it's very interesting to kind of promote music online uh, as everything, as, you know, the whole of the online world is changing, the society we live in, the world we live in, in terms of blockchain, all these new, you know, new... Um, all these new kind of structures that are popping up online and I think it really uh, engages with the arts in a way that nothing else has so I completely support Fran and, and, and Thank you blockchain.
2: I'm very flattered actually that you say that um, it, and it's encouraging as well because it spurs me on to keep at it yeah. what, what is
1: blockchain? Well um, so you've heard of cryptocurrency and uh, yes, Bitcoin I have. and Ethereum yes. and all these new ways that people are engaging with um, the financial world with the internet essentially Blockchain, as I understand it, is a kind of organisation that democratises transactions online. It'll be a bit like sort of Wikipedia for finance. So um, instead of being between you and a corporate, you and a bank that might be, you know, taking lots of money and behaving awfully on the, on the top end of the financial market, you're actually opening up world well, of finance in the same way that blogging opens up journalism to a lot of of people who are really great writers who have opinions about the arts and want to share them. You know, so it's sort of a fa- it's actually a kind of blockchain becomes a kind of. Um, A ledger book online that everyone can see. So if you've, if you've, if so, Fran, for instance, has has paid another writer because you get so busy with your playing that you can't be writing at the moment. You pay another writer using an online currency. It instantly changes hands quickly. It's It's not. It's a bit like paying for things with eggs. Yeah, it's a democratized or magic beans. Exactly. Kind of a
2: cooperative or almost like the old-fashioned barter system. Right. Um, Yeah, I've been involved in something in a very something like that in a very loose way called Pay It Forward, which I think was created in the States and um, a couple of musician friends of mine and I, it was just a kind of mutual cooperation so I took a piano lesson from somebody and I paid it forward by reading somebody's diploma submission and I, I thought that was a very... Did
0: you hesitate? Did you hesitate before you agreed to that? No, that, was not at
2: all because the, the person that gave me a piano lesson is a colleague and a friend and a supporter um, and yeah, it was an element of trust and, and actually the fact that there was no financial transaction, that it, it was generosity and cooperation. I, I found felt that was a really valuable thing to do. I think it's the future. I mean, I've, I've talked with a friend of mine who lives in France who is setting up something similar to what I do but for um, rela- developing relationships within communities um, in local government is very much the opinion that these communities that we create online are incredibly important and very powerful and it kind of almost harks back to the the village atmosphere in the old days when we would do things for one another and there wouldn't be a financial transaction and I mean I I always feel so, certainly with social media I feel that we we are in this little village albeit a global one where we're talking to each other, overhearing conversations, picking up on that, following up on that. I mean, that's kind of how I meet people to, to approach for the interviews, is just coming across people online.
0: And what is your... When you come across those people online, what do you think that you're responding to? Is there something that that you can put your finger on where you're going, actually, no, I think I would like to speak to that person?
2: Sometimes it's someone's posted something interesting on Twitter. Twitter's a very good source of... Potential interviewees, and, it, and it's, it certainly was until I forged quite um, important relationships with music PRs and artists' managers. Um, someone might post something, and I'll think that's interesting, I'd like to find out more about this person. Um, I'm very keen to interview young artists because, of course, they're the future without it sounding cliche, they are, and I think they deserve a platform. Um, you know, very well established artists have a big PR machine to look after and they perhaps don't need me although you know it's it's great to get them um, because you know one wants a few celebrities but I'm, I'm much more interested in seeking out more unusual more left field I've started interviewing jazz musicians which for me is another world I'm not particularly interested in jazz um, although I'm growing to be interested in jazz um, I just I like this idea of a community and we're all just sort of Corresponding, talking, communicating. I think all all
1: power to people like you, Fran, because actually the internet's so dominated by the global companies like Google and Spotify and Facebook. And actually, it's down to people like you to kind of open open discussion up with the people on the ground and say, look, we can actually... The, p- the power of the people in this situation can actually really create something amazing. And the same, the same goes for companies like Airbnb who have actually embraced the sharing economy yeah. that, you know, you, you, you stay in a stranger's house because you trust them, because yeah. they've got a five-star rating, because, you know, 20 other people have said that they're trustworthy.
0: I did... I stayed in an Airbnb flat for the first time in Edinburgh, and I found it a slightly terrifying experience. Not, not because Not because the person was terrifying particularly, but just that... <coughs> to take that leap to stay in somebody else's house and actually not know anything about them. I mean, I know that's essentially what a bed and breakfast is, but but I found that quite a difficult thing. But maybe you do that a lot, do you?
1: I have done this a lot, actually. Right. Um, we did it down the west coast of America this summer. And I think you, you kind of go by the average review, and if you've got a fantastic review, and if people suggest online the things that you might ask the host, you know, could you, could you tell me about the locality? Could you give me a little tour around... The, the golden circle in iceland you know and actually the hosts kind of love that and they bring in a sort of opportunity to give tips to your host yeah. so i think you can really kind of um actually if you do it right you can get a a, a really overwhelming experience of, of the locals experience of a company of a country
0: mm. you so you're uh, that reminds me of something that i heard on spotify uh by you which really took me by surprise and i can't remember the title it's the hate strangled banner Is that what it's called? Yes.
1: So... um, Please tell me about that before I gush. So Classic FM have a... Classic FM have quite a good... um, Sorry. Classic FM have been very kind to me in that they played quite a lot of my music every year and recently um, there was a moment when David Cameron was handing over the reins to Theresa May and he hummed a little bit on camera. And I took this up. It was a Classic FM um, post that said, you know, does any, does any composer out there want to do a little arrangement of this? And I happened to be in my studio powering everything down late at night. I think it was about midnight. And so I wrote a little piece, just a very short two and a half minute piece using that and recorded it and sent it out. And by the morning it had gone all the way around the world and all the rest of it. And it was a real epiphany for me not in the sense that I wanted attention because I didn't but I wanted to show that the arts without dumbing down can comment on everyday yeah. political, social events anything like that I mean I've been just reading about um, Kurt Vile I think it might have come mm. up in your blog today or Jessica Dushan's blog Kurt Vial, Kurt um, one of Kurt Vile's songs about um, a girl who's blind I think it's right I might be wrong about that one of Kurt Vile's um, songs that hasn't been published has just been discovered and I was reading about Kurt Vile and he, basically what made him tick was commenting on social and political issues. And um, I had a period of doing that from the David Cameron song. Um, when Trump got power, I got very cross because I think a lot of people are and I wanted yes. to do something and that hasn't really picked up. And I also did one in response to the terrible, assault, um, uh, terrible situation with the Grenfell Tower in Kensington. And actually I slight regret doing that because people on the face of it, look at you as a composer and say, are you doing this to get attention i 'm actually beyond that i don 't actually want attention now and i 'm going to try and step back from the social media for a while in that way. But what I wanted to show was that actually in times of terror in terms of um, in terms of terror in terms of sorry, in times of terror and in times of um, society breaking down, the arts are to be turned to. They're the only thing we've got and everybody should have access to them. I really believe that children, kids of every age should be learning. I mean, Fran has opinions about this too. Um, Every year I give certain days, several days for free to London State School Music Services. I was very lucky to go to a, um, a, a private school, but not by choice it was just my parents did that because that was the easiest option for them in terms I didn't choose to go to my private school anyway or <laughs> either it's you know, well, fine no whether you're experienced <laughs> yeah. uh, my parents your experience. did that but, um, but I feel very very strongly that the art should be for everybody and so I give these days to um, uh, Havering Music I'm actually a patron of Havering Music Service in East London and they are doing incredible work with the kids on very little budgets and this is the kind of level that we need to, we need to go in grass- grassroots level and give everyone the opportunity to
0: do this I am um, I did. I'm sorry to hear that you, would, that you would be thinking that about responding to political events. I mean, I understand why you may think that now, but certainly when I heard um, the hate strangled banner, I'm sorry that I'm struggling over the title, it just takes a bit of time to remember, um, I felt I was incredibly moved by it because it seemed to be something which absolutely summed up how I was feeling about something that I didn't really know I was feeling it well you're kind I mean yeah I think and so it sort of distresses me slightly that Mm. that you may have done this wonderful thing uh, and obviously felt
1: very proud of it and then got to the end of it and thought uh." well I think Irrespective and I'm not being of how I feel now, you know, it's it, out there and I can't yeah. do anything about it. But, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, that actually came particularly with that piece. Um, I, I got a, a, It was interesting. A huge amount of hate mail from Trump supporters came in. I mean, a lot. Well, good. That I means they heard um, it. But, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what kind of feels, but I, I just thought, look, if there's any opportunity to to use the arts for some kind of good that would be the ambition. I mean in terms of long term ambition we always think about this but I personally think I'd love to be on my deathbed and think oh, I wrote one piece that really lasted yeah. and maybe at some point helps society in some way. I don't know whether that's grandiose but...
2: I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic sentiment but you know I, I was listening to some of the broadcasting from St. Petersburg this morning on Radio 3 on the centenary of the Russian Revolution and um, you know composers and artists and writers have responded to political upheaval and social events um, throughout history really and I think it behoves all of us to keep doing it and you're right the arts are there they are there in times of um, great difficulty I think to provide comfort and inspiration and support Um, think about the concerts that were given during the second war to keep people's morale going I mean it sounds simplistic but it made a big difference. And
0: look at look at Messian's quartet for the end of time, yes. which is, you know, written terrifyingly in, yeah. beautiful yes. and written in the most horrific... Was written,
1: in it written one, of the, one of the camps?
2: It was written in a camp, I can't camp remember which, which one. one, and in fact I'm hearing it here next Tuesday with Stephen Osborne on piano. Wow.
0: And it it's is It's one a stunning of my work. favourite
2: works. I mean, favourite is a, perhaps a slightly crass word to describe such an extraordinary piece of music but mm. I find it so compelling mm. and as I do much of his music now I've learned more about him and it and I mean I think that's his music speaks of the, the biggest things in life mm. as well as protest and and comfort I, I it's extraordinary music i I could and, go on at length. Uh, and those kind of
0: works are surely born out of suffering. Absolutely. And born out yeah. of passion. Yeah. We're, but but what we're basically doing, Thomas, is persuading you to do more of that.
2: But don't you, don't you think <laughs> that this, we're doing. this thing about pro- producing a work in response to, s- say, for example, famine in Africa, we, you know, we, I'm old enough to remember Band-Aid, but the, you know, initially that seemed an amazing thing, but, mm. but then you start to, to to question the motivation of these... Mm. Phenomenally successful and wealthy people. Yeah, you know the, the spirit was good.
1: As long as they give every penny to charity, yeah, and that, and then we later discover fine. that
2: that's not happening, and that that the sacks of, of, um, you know special energy food were waiting at the harbour and being taken off by black marketeers. Um, Yeah,
1: that's not... That's
2: the difficulty, but I I, I think that individual responses to to these events are actually much more valuable and important.
0: Absolutely, because they're personal statements. But
2: we understand why celebrities will come together to do it because it's attention-grabbing. But I agree that that one can be cynical about those kinds of people's motivation for it. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sorry that you had that response. Not that yeah. it's my fault, but, you know, I'm sorry. I th-
2: yeah, I think it's great that you do it. And I don't stop doing things like that. No. You know. I think it's important. I, th- I, th- I think we can, as, as artists and musicians, I think sometimes we can think, oh, I, I'm not going to say anything because I'm just going to stay in my gilded cage. And actually, we need to be out of the cage and, and on the barricades, frankly. <laughs> this, leads, actually, this, <laughs> this leads on
1: to something I just thought about, which is that, of course... As a composer, and actually, this probably reflects the music world at the moment. Um, often, one finds that people are expecting miniatures. Yes. And it's down I think to the Spotify and the streaming yeah. and the online culture the listening culture a little bit like Tinder if you you know if you hear the first few seconds of a piece and you don't like it you might switch it off but you know I don't know about you I mean I listen to the Ligeti Piano Concerto all the time mm. when I'm doing the washing up I love it I absolutely love it and all sorts I mean all the big contemporary Piano concerto, I just listen and, and you listen to the whole lot and you just want to do it completely you know and sometimes you put the ring on all night and you just you know it, it gives you such an experience emotionally you just can't get through a three-minute radio-optimised track. But
2: is that partly to do with your upbringing? Because you come from a family of musicians, so music, being around music, hearing music, having music at home was very normal, shall I say, for you. Was that true? Because, I mean, that was my background, um, which I've recently realised was quite privileged, although I went through the state education system. But there was always music at home. So listening to classical music going to concerts, and from a very young age, understanding what a concert was about and how one behaved as a member of the audience and the, the special rituals of concert going from the point of view of the audience and the musicians, which I still adore. Mm. I love mm. the rituals of mm, concert agreed. going, but, but I think that those of us who grew up, perhaps, <laughs> with that going on and it felt normal, mm. so th- then listening to an entire symphony or you know the entire ring cycle, it took me time. it feels normal.
0: It took me a long time and I was quite I was exposed to concert going quite early on, but it wasn't really until about twenty years ago that I felt comfortable listening to an entire symphony that was unfamiliar to me. It wasn't until I had you know, up until that point it was it was symphonies that I had played in an yeah. orchestra that I was prepared to sit and listen mm. to. It seems bizarre mm. to say that now. But but it's only relatively recently that I now feel comfortable to so just go along and listen to something unfamiliar
1: to listen to something and enjoy a piece a lot, you know, full scale piece of classical music particularly 19th century orchestral or beyond you have to really know the language and just sort of listen I think you get more practice by actively listening mm. and you get yes. more out the yeah. more you yes. listen the more you get yeah. out of it yeah. I mean it's interesting because at first we did have music like you around the house and Dad was a cellist at Covent Garden and still is and so we went every Saturday and heard yeah. operas and of course our teenage rebellion was sort of not enjoying them so much <laughs> and then you come back to that and it's ama- <laughs> But you see, the first recording we had in our house was, um, I still remember it today, it was a gramophone record of um, Vila Lobos' um, Little Train of the Capira. And it's a, it's a little, basically, it's an orchestral piece. And I played it to a friend of mine at the time, aged about five or six, thinking, this is so cool. Mm. And they just didn't get it. What was and it I called? What's it called? It was called Little Train of the Capira, I think it's, t- okay. it's. It's a little train. And so, effectively, I told the guy what it's about. And it's this little train going through the desert going very, very slowly through the desert and the train, the orchestra depiction of a train is absolutely to the letter, it's amazing, it's, you can hear the train through yeah. the orchestra, and the orchestration is absolutely stunning and then it gets faster and faster and faster and then as it slows down to come into the station, the orchestra slows down, and then at the end, they forget to put the brakes on, and it, it crashes into the buffers, and you get this massive... And do you know what? It's, once you know that, it is so evocative. Mm-hmm. Taking that to opera, I mean, you know, for me, the, my favourite opera of all time, well, two of them, are um, Ritten Old Skin, George Benjamin's recent yes, opera, yes. but also Peter Grimes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh yes, yeah. oh, as soon as you know did you grow up? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean,
2: I'm, I'm old enough to remember... Being in Albra as a child and seeing Benjamin Britten walking along the seafront with Peter Pears really? to their wow. home, yeah. <gasps> oh I my
0: am. God, I actually. I mean, love just you. once, lo- oh, once or
2: twice, and my mother would say, "Oh look, there's Benjamin Britten." And and Albra and snake Maltings were my oh father. My, my father's from East Anglia, so, so this and the landscape of East Anglia, the the, the coastline of Albra and when I hear the sea interlude, St Peter Grimes, yeah. I'm there on the beach oh, as a little girl. Yeah. It, it's so, so evocative. You like, yeah.
0: you lived in Oldborough?
2: No, I, at that time I was living in Birmingham, right. which is also where I cut my teeth as a, a keen concert-goer. Mm. This, with the CBSO. So
0: what took you to Albra then? to see? Family. Right.
2: My grandparents, my paternal grandparents lived in Ipswich and Albra was a place we went to regularly. Did it make an and
1: influence on your musicianship, Fran? Do you I don't know. Like I don't know. I,
2: I just, I don't know. Um, mm. I don't really play much Britain. He didn't write much for the piano anyway,
1: mm. no. um,
2: sadly, because he was a fantastic pianist himself. Mm.
0: But... Well, apart from the piano concerto, which is a bit bombastic. Yeah, and
2: a couple of miniatures, yes. um, the night piece, which I'm working on at the moment. But it, it, I think, for me, I'd been brought up to see these people, musicians and composers, as, as significant people, but not celebrities. There wasn't, mm. the, And in the 70s and early 80s, there wasn't the celebrity culture that surrounds certain musicians and, and performers that there is now. Um, but I was brought up to regard these people as significant and people that we should respect and appreciate and I think that seeing Benjamin Britten kind of out of his musician role just mm. strolling along the seafront to his mm. home which was further out of Mm, That's a wonderful point, because actually (laughs) the
1: sort of celebrity musicians that we see now, actually the really good ones don't actually care about any of that. It's a construct by the PR company. Exactly, yes. But clearly
0: when you saw him on the beach, you remember that distinction. You remember seeing him and thinking, oh, you're someone who I need to revere. Um, uh, And yet here you are as a normal human being, which suggests that on some level he was perceived as... Important, important, yeah,
2: but but not not a celebrity. And I mean that that word wasn't common currency then. But he was certainly mm. very important. Um, and I my parents adored his music. There was a lot of Benjamin mm. Britten played on LPs at home. Mm. I was taken to see Peter Grimes, Billy Budd, um, and um, a, a beautiful production of A Midsummer Night's Dream with the sets by David Hockney oh, that was all Jesus. in Birmingham it was a fantastic wow. Oh, wow. time in the 70s for music in Birmingham CBSO were wow. stunning Simon Rattle was a rookie conductor then <laughs> yeah. he was Did a you,
1: triangle player in the yeah. NYO
2: that was my kind of musical grounding that's where wow. I learned to, to, be a, to be a to be a concert goer and to, to love it Did you as, as a listener uh, and also I was having piano lessons, so I was learning to be a musician in a very rudimentary way then I always got yeah. the impression yeah.
0: when I was in Oldborough that um, you were really immersed in the music yeah. this wasn't something that would, just happened in a concert hall in the town where you happened to be it was mm. it was something that was going on in the yes.
2: place
0: did you get to did you get to see Grimes on the beach
2: no I wish that, I would have loved to have seen that: that was yeah. quite stunning I would did
0: you did you see it
1: um, no but I was your friends of mine were actually involved in it because they, they replayed the orchestra, didn't they, mm. and sang. Oh, the ball. Britain Pears Orchestra. Yeah. yeah. I think they had a recording of yeah. singing with it. But it was I mean it looked absolutely stunning.
2: I would have loved to have gone. I haven't been to Aubra for years, I must go back.
1: It was quite the yeah. oddest experience to yeah. sit on
0: seats with blankets on my oh, legs and, and uh, oh. eating having a picnic but, but and watching <laughs> all of this drama play out in front of so me. It's great.
2: It's a new way or a different way of presenting music, isn't it? Which I think is also very valuable and important if it's mm. if it's done right. They're, they're well, there's
1: the wonderful Chris Stark and his multi-story orchestra doing yes, the pecker yes I the love I've been twice such a wonderful I think it's thing. fantastic
2: I do don't well. care about people who say oh the, the acoustic's terrible actually it mm. isn't and certainly I well, mean
1: mic it so you can put a bit of reverb on it anyway. yeah. I mean, certainly
2: what? last year when I went to the prom for the all Steve Reich concert the, the repertoire was perfect for the venue it all brilliant. worked. Mm. and they are they're brilliant musicians mm. they're yes. so mm. committed yeah. and the setting is it's unusual it's different I wouldn't choose to go to a concert there Crikey. every week but I think it's a fantastic <laughs> but experience
0: I, I think that makes for a different listening experience Definitely. because it's arresting because yeah. you wouldn't normally see yourself mm. in that environment mm. and that makes for an entirely different experience
1: Absolutely. I mean, I've seen classical music um, performed in bars. And in fact, we had a very funny... This was about 10 years ago before people started performing classical music in clubs. Hmm. Um, a friend of mine and I and a couple of people I know rented a, rented a club for the, for the night and uh, put on a club classical club night. And the problem was before people had really got the idea of having a drink listening, they were just listening and weren't buying at the bar. And we had a deal where... The thing was underwritten by the fact that we'd spend £3,000 at the bar and then we wouldn't pay anything. So at the end of the night, we had a bill of about two and a half grand to pay um, in order to walk out of this place without people chasing I've, us I'm and so we said well either we'll give you cash we've had it underwritten or we'll, we'll buy alcohol yeah. and so we found three bottles of the most expensive champagne yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. and the problem was we couldn't drink any more so we had to give them away to people in that's Coffin Garden wow. Wow, yeah. that's public service. but now it's that really is. taken on people yeah. sort of enjoying a club night nice I've,
0: I've always been struck by how if you stand up in front of an audience like some Orchestras yeah. do and say it's fine. You can bring a drink in. You can walk. I think the OAE used to do this a lot with with the night shift. Uh, you can you can leave the auditorium. You can take pictures. You can do whatever you want. Actually, since as as you tell people to do that, they won't do anything. They won't go anywhere. They'll just go or just sit and listen.
2: Do you think <laughs> it's because they've been conditioned by the etiquette that surrounds concert going, which is basically a late 19th century habit, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I, I think there's, right. there's an element I think of that, there's definite yes. conditioning, and it's going to take a lot. To encourage people to break out of that. I mean, I mean
1: you'd it, like to think that if the performance is absolutely incredible, that you wouldn't want to move trans- anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. by yeah. it yeah. emotionally. Shall and we
0: say that that's what it was? That yeah. the OAE were really, really good. <laughs> but
2: you know, <laughs> I, I very rarely go to a pop concert or jazz, but I do. And at Festival Hall, um, you can take your drinks in if it's a pop concert. Why can't you take your drinks in when it's classical music? God, it only that's God, the God only difference? knows. What's the difference? I don't no, get I don't. it at all. I don't. It seems ridiculous, because the clearing up exercise afterwards is the same, isn't it? <laughs>
0: mm, so Maybe it's to do with uh, it's, its budgets, isn't it? They haven't got a budget for cleaning it. Oh, I don't know. It would, I, don't. I think
2: it would make a huge difference. i pay extra I on really, the ticket, really, I really do. I think people would, you know, people have got to get over this idea that classical music is elitist, inaccessible, mm. highbrow, you know
1: what would we if do we, without the proms I mean what would we, we do without the proms actually
2: you can take your drinks in in a plastic yeah. glass yeah. yeah which it makes a huge difference thank god for the BBC it, it really, I never
0: knew I would say that it really helps yeah, yeah.
2: It, it it changes the atmosphere it makes my husband who is not a natural classical classical music fan um, but has, has had to become one through me mm. it makes him feel that it's not this highbrow strange ivory tower kind, kind of experience he's mm. got a to beer in his hand. That's fine.
0: It's a simple thing, it's isn't very it? Actually, simple. it's a simple barrier to remove. Yeah. It's not.
1: I mean, there are wonderful people like the Aurora Orchestra yes. doing sort of standing up Beethoven symphonies, yeah. and yes. um, you know, and actually taking music slightly differently within. Yeah. Where it is now within the sort of remit and actually trying to reach yeah. people i mean i've got my own sort of secret ambitions you know i went to see cirque du soleil at the hall i oh. was absolutely transfixed mm. by um you know how it was a complete set out amazing you know thing but the music was very 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 commercial pop all the way mm-hmm. through and if there's any way they could have a live orchestra doing cutting-edge fabulous. contemporary music it with these and maybe cr- i mean yeah. it would be Great yeah. way to bring new, but people, new audiences But it's in. also pop
0: which is influenced by a whole variety of world music. Well, I think solo, now I we're think. having
1: such a fusion of everything. Mm. I mean, Clean Bandit, right, a sort of um, classical dance group um, who were at university with me, and they um, have had, I mean, they've got so many number ones out now, um, and they are effectively a string quartet, who met at the Royal College of Music, junior department, and Cambridge, and then, and then a dance producer, and they're producing music that's actually very classical influenced. And I think now the, the boundaries are changing. I'm certainly as a composer, you can basically write what you want and get away with it, you know, which is exciting. That's how <laughs> you describe
0: your work, <laughs> writing what you want and getting away with it. Surely, let's 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 big you up. Thomas. I was saying to Fran later that, that I was
1: saying to Fran earlier that actually my ambition is to sort of get. Gradually more atonal as I get older. By the time I'm on my deathbed, I want to be writing music that no one wants to listen to. Because it won't matter then, will it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but it will matter to you, and that's the most important thing I yeah. think. That that one re- one retains one's artistic integrity. So
0: true. Um, I need to ask you a question because you've done some homework. Because I yes. sent you some homework, and you've got your notebook there, I uh, and I love that. Um, and I think I asked you for your cultural highlight of the week.
2: Yes, you did. And in fact. Um, since we're at St. John Smith Square, it was a highlight to come here on Saturday night. This was my fifth concert given by E Musicante, which is a wonderful en- ensemble created by the double bass player Leon Bosch. Um, it's, a, it's fantastic for lots of reasons. Um, first, the quality of the players. He handpicks the best people. and um, So... At every concert I've been to, the quality of musicianship has been extraordinary. They are superb players. Um, But it's fluid as well. So on Saturday night, it was a small string orchestra. Previously, I've heard septets. I've heard quintets. The the second thing that makes it very, very special is that they have very intelligent and clever programming. So he chooses well-known works and puts them alongside lesser-known or neglected works from the repertoire, plus a new work. So in the first series here in the s- spring-summer, the um, new work were pieces by South African composers. Leon is South African. The current season is called Alexandra and the Russians, and the new works are written by Alexandra Harwood, who you may well know. And she's a film composer who, in her interview with me, said that being asked to write classical music was quite a challenge but she's more than risen to it and last Saturday's piece was wonderful very evocative very filmic actually there's a very clear narrative in the music and it worked really well because it was it contrasted with everything else in the programme and what followed it was a string orchestra arrangement of Shostakovich's eighth quartet which Mm -hmm. was absolutely extraordinary you know you're just hit over the head with this Mm. searing music Um, and the final thing that made it really good is that, and this is true of all the programmes I've been to by this ensemble, it was, the concert was the right length.
0: What is the right length?
2: Well, I would say that around 35 to 40 minutes for each half. That's from an audience point of view and I also think on behalf of the musicians, when you're playing in that concentrated mm-hmm. way. 40 minutes perhaps 45 is just about right Um, and a nice long interval for the audience to come down here and have a drink and socialize very very good formula very successful very enjoyable highly recommended
0: and are they on again
2: they are The series continues in January with another work by Alexandra. I I thoroughly recommend it. It's it's extremely accessible. I know that's a word that's used a lot. Yeah,
0: lots of people hate that word in classical music. You're but it's fine. That's okay. It
2: is accessible. Um, I mean, the 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 well-known work in the program on Saturday was Tchaikovsky's Rococo Variations, which were absolutely charming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And And a lovely performance.
0: There's also something about about the atmosphere here, which uh, I think, in comparison to other concert venues, is it's it's not that it's necessarily relaxed, but there's not
2: it's, it's not terribly
0: pretentious. It's, it's you know. it,
2: true. It's different. Yeah, because I was then at the Wigmore on Sunday night. <laughs> okay. Um, which is
0: also lovely, which, which is but <laughs> quite different. Quite, but it's if, a quite it, different. It experience. is very
2: different. Yeah. Beautiful very, carpets very and lovely furnishings. To be different. Yeah, yeah, You one feels like you're having to sort of sit up straight for the entire evening. Oh. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a bit like sitting in a cinema in the 1940s, yeah. I imagine. Yes. But I love, um,
2: I love the Wigmore. I won't hear a word said against it. It's I, a gorgeous acoustic. I, isn't it? It's a fabulous acoustic. It's a lovely venue. It's so beautiful. I've heard such fine music there in all the time i've been going and mm. i think it i think it's a great place we're so lucky well, we're lucky to have, we all, have lo- we're lucky of to venues, have all the yeah. wonderful venues we have in london uh, we really are mm. so
0: so you've actually covered both questions all in one without even realizing it your your highlight of the week and also a recommendation or have you got another I, recommendation i was
2: going to recommend something else and it's also at st johns smith square since we're here. Um, The International Piano Series, which formerly was at the South Bank, is here mostly for the time being until the Queen Elizabeth Hall reopens after its refurbishment. Um, And I've been to quite a few, and I have to say that the acoustic here and the general ambience is is lovely for piano music, very good venue for piano music. Um, There's a young Icelandic pianist here next week, Vikingur Olafsson, whose Philip Glass disc I have enjoyed very much. She's playing a, a programme with no Philip Glass in it. I can't remember what he's playing, to be honest. Um, but I would thoroughly recommend coming here to hear piano music and i hope that the international piano series being here has put saint john's on the map Mm. because i felt it's it's a neglected gem this place
0: Mm. Mm. i'd agree i come here more
2: more than ever now because it's also easy for me to get to that's another important consideration Mm. (laughs) yeah
0: and it's also sort of open to the public all day i always forget that Mm. i always Um. assume that you can only really sort of come in the crypt um, and they do very good cakes. They
2: yes, do and also very good cakes. And yeah. also the wine is quite good. wine's very Not the wine is these things are very important to to, to the concert goer. Yes, yes, <laughs> I,
1: I d-
0: yes, and also the podcast producer. <laughs> and the, but,
2: but the, I mean. The, just generally the the social areas and i i'm I'm really excited about the queen elizabeth hall reopening and seeing what the social areas are like because Mm. previously it was a bit of a sort of concrete bunker Mm. um and i really hope that that's been developed and and made more convivial massively
1: improve that brutalist architecture by Mm. by lighting it with sort of pink lights yeah it doesn't need much pink yeah why not i don't don't know (laughs) about that have you have you um
0: Pressed your nose against the glass.
2: No, I'm waiting for an invitation. Oh, so you're delayed. Go, go and view it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't really. Hang and the on Hayward that. Gallery as well, which um, oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, it's a great thing uh, that we have. When does cool. it open? I don't know. Early when it next opens. year. Okay.
0: Yeah. Do you know
1: the Queen? The corner of the Queen Elizabeth Hall was used in a Doctor Who episode in the 1970s. <laughs> It is. Yeah. Well, the interior, interior like or the scene. exterior? Uh, the exterior. Okay. Oh, doesn't, yes, well,
2: it's, it is quite futuristic. How do you isn't know it?
1: that? Who told you that? Um, I think it was Gillian Moore's Facebook profile. She's Southbank. Oh, yes. Southbank yeah. Center, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah.
0: Well, I'll investigate that. That's. I didn't expect to learn that. That's been really <laughs> valuable for me. Um, thanks. Who knew? Um, uh, so, okay, many thanks. Well done on the homework, um, Thomas.
1: Well, it's funny <laughs> fan was mentioning St. John's Square. This place has a real personal resonance for me because at the end of school um, my school put on a concert and they were looking for a really cool venue and and they got this place. And um, they asked me to write an organ concerto I wrote... um, played my, or- my organ concerto and that organ is brilliant because it can outplay an orchestra it's like the, like the album it's very loud yeah. and exciting
0: I've got a mixture of emotions at the moment because I'm looking at you and thinking god you're so young and also you've written wow. an organ
1: concerto and, and technically wow. that means that I hate you because no, you're younger no. than me <laughs> but you're amazing you know you, it's, it's a lot of hours it's um, you know they say um, 1% inspiration 99% perspiration it's you know it's, it's many years of sort of just absolutely passionate yeah. I mean like I don't know if you're like this but I spent all my 20s in front of the computer working and I, I don't regret it because I absolutely love it yeah. so much I, I think okay. and I think
2: the, the grafting And the chipping away every day. Mm. I've got a blog post coming out on this. Have you? The Uh, routine of creativity. Really?
0: So you're saying that it's a slow grind. It is. Well, people write all
1: the time. I'm sure they do to you. They write all the time to me and say, could we do work experience? How do I become a composer? And the answer is you have to know that you can't do it. You don't want to do anything else. And that even when the chips are down, you've lost all your relationships, your friend, your loved one, your family, you've got nothing, you would just keep Keep writing. I'm beginning
0: to feel rather sorry for you, Tom. <laughs> don't worry. Don't yeah. need to. <laughs> driven, is everything alright?
2: Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> but one's driven by a passion to, to keep keep at it, I think, you know. So it,
0: it's good, the equivalent of writing for you.
1: Well I must be I mean well
0: you are is writing. writing. Yeah, yeah. it is writing. It
1: is writing. also there is an element of wanting to give people something as well. It's not just a, you know, it's not just that and it's not just for money. I mean I was listening to a Royal Darl interview the other day, just I love that guy and the way he wrote for children, but um he, Somebody asked him, a little child actually asked him, do you write for money? And he said, all <laughs> of us write for money. And I thought, well, you know what, sometimes, or at least we sometimes to. <laughs> you have to pay the bills. But actually, you know, the ambition, obviously, as a writer is really to just write just what's to coming write. Yes, out. Yeah. But yes, in order yeah, yeah. to do that full time, you have to sort of, you know, you have to balance your books. And, yeah. and you know, it's part of, everyone does it. Every, but you are,
0: it. but you are also composing for money at the same time as composing for yourself. Exactly, not? and I'm lucky. Which actually. It, I'm Very be lucky
1: because mm-hmm. I just did a uh, Carnegie Hall commission for 600 uh, choir of 600, the National Children's Chorus in America, and it actually embodies everything I believe in because it it um, it's a really artistic commission. The commission fee was enough to be able to t- just take that for a month and a bit. And the text was um, was about was it effectively anti-Trump. It was it was a it was a <laughs> it was, a, um, yeah. it was a, about immigration. You know, bring we, we welcome everyone with an open door. It was the text on the bottom of the. Um, I, w- I always think Arc de Triomphe. It's the, you know, the, in the New York Harbour, the Statue of Liberty, the yeah, text right. on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty is a poem by a, a girl called Emma Lazarus who was, I think she died when she was 28. It's very sad, but she, or she wrote it when she was 28 and died a little bit later, but she wrote a text in order to raise money for the new plinth, and um, it was about immigration, bringing people in. We welcome everyone with an open door to this new country, and of course that's not. And what's um, it called? Um, it's called Give Me Your Tired, Your Poor. And that's that's how it starts and has
0: that been performed yet
1: um april 28th okay and i'm hoping and to go to new york because i've okay. never been but. are you going I'm to set interested.
0: up a new email account and a new twitter account just to sort of yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> possibly change your name <laughs> 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 any help you need with that yeah. just just give me a shout um you were going to come
1: up with a highlight yeah sorry we're digressing so two highlights three highlights um I'm afraid they're not from the last week but um Last year, um, my cousin's caught out the Carducci Quartets, my cousin Emma is a cellist. Um, They did an amazing feat, which was to perform all the Shostakovich string quartets in one day. (gasps) (gasps) Um, They did it about four times. They had to run marathons to be able to get the stamina to do it. I mean, they physically trained. Really? Shostakovich, wow, I mean, incredible, incredible music. Those string quartets are just brilliant. Um, But they they performed them several times all in one day. And I thought, well done. Wow. And I think they actually won an award for doing it because, Fantastic. you know, nobody's ever tried to do that yeah. before. And they are literally the top of the game. I mean, I came to hear them a couple of months ago here and they are just one of my favourites. The players.
0: marathon thing, was that a metaphor or were you saying that they, um, literally they actually literally trained? They actually, to to actually yeah. trained physically. In addition Emma, to...
1: Emma, it was her 40th birthday and she, did, she was aiming to do 40 marathons in, <coughs> in in a year. I don't know if she did it. Dear God um, almighty. The other highlight was um, the new production, Richard Jones's new production of Bo- Bohem at Covent Garden, which I saw end of September. Um I absolutely loved the way that he brought a 41-year-old production up to date. Made it a lot more edgy and really left space. A lot of humour. I mean, there's one bit where they're all... um they're all sort of graffitiing on the walls, you know, before Mimi dies. And you know, but the thing is, the the key for it was that the music, musicality, musicianship of Papano leading those guys and the orchestra, standing on absolute top form, um, meant that the end for me, the you know, the the tear jerking uh, moment when Mimi dies was actually even more emotional mm-hmm. than it always is, simply because this this was quite an edgy production that really led you towards that ending. And you know, it, it was a real highlight.
0: I have never seen Bohem. You will absolutely you love see it. see it. I've never seen it. I you can't believe it. I'm it's actually beautiful. saying that
1: out Absolutely love it. Okay, right. I think anyone will who's got a heart, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, well, that is going to be a problem. You know. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, not you. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll um, give that a wide berth. And there was something to look forward to. Yeah, a recommendation. Which is, um, so there's a choir called Aura, yeah. which... Um, and a professional chamber choir which um, a lady called Susie Digby conducts and Susie is incredibly enterprising because she takes um she's created the London Youth Choir got getting a whole load of young people singing and she's doing an amazing amount of work for education in this country choral singing and um, of course we know the benefits of choral music you know the benefits of music plus the endorphins of being with people and um companionship, friendship, and also you're improving your ear all the time. Um, but she's created this professional chamber choir called Aura Singers, Aura, O-R-A. And they have decided to do a slightly different take on the Christmas season this year. The Christmas season, obviously, for many reasons, is, is a very happy time for many, and quite a lonely time for some. But um, they've created a really wonderful um, series of, um, effectively, every day in December up to the 24th, they're releasing a new contemporary carol. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. And I I do have a vested interest because mine is one of them, but that's not the point. (laughs) That's not why I'm doing this because they are incredibly enterprising. And I think what they're doing is taking all aspects of what we discussed, bringing music to many people, bringing the education element in, involving social media, involving radio, involving all sorts of elements to bring proper music to a wide audience. And I think that's what we should all be doing. And I really support it wholeheartedly. And I think it will be a, a, a treat. Every day in December, they're going to be broadcasting over multiple radio networks online, online around Europe radio i think classic fm are involved as well and it's it's going to be a massive um, way to bring high quality music to a, a lot of people at christmas time so i really support that
0: that's marvelous thank you very much indeed um we are bang on time thanks very much to fran and to thomas for taking part in this thoroughly good podcast thanks also to st john smith square for giving us the space for the recording in their crypt if you want to get in touch, email thoroughlygood at gmail.com or you can tweet me, John Jacob, at thoroughlygood. There's just one more thing we need to do.
2: I'm Fran Wilson. I blog on classical music and pianism as The Cross-Eyed Pianist, which is www.crossidepianist.com I'm an active Twitter user. You can find me there, at Piano. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and if you can't find me there, you'll probably find me in the Wigmore Hall. <laughs> That's <so
0: sweet. coughs> uh, Sir, please.
1: I'm Thomas Hewitt-Jones, and I'm a composer, and um, due to inadvertently being on social media quite a lot recently through a couple of pieces which seem to have travelled, I'd rather
2: not give my address, <laughs> 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 but you can find me online. <laughs>